In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, folks. Ryan Roxy here, and welcome to a, another episode, a live stream episode of In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. I am your host, and uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys showing up for the live stream. I know that we this was scheduled originally for Tuesday, but we were uh, fully supporting the Blackout Tuesday with all the crazy shit that is going on around the world, especially in the United States. And uh, we are standing right beside you guys and right beside everyone there that is in the chat. So today's episode of In the Trenches uh, has a good old friend of mine. We've known each other for for many years. And um, of course, we're going to talk about his bands. Of course, we're going to talk about his uh, multi-instrumental abilities. But we'll probably also talk about uh, the end of the world and everything that's going in it, because he sort of is living in the belly of the beast or the belly of of where all this stuff is happening um, now. But uh, yeah, I want you to welcome In the Trenches, our friend and yours, it's Mr. AC Slade. Welcome. Hello. What's up, Brian? How are you? Hey, I, I, I never thought I'd start the interview by saying, uh, welcome to the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, man? I, I know that you're you're on the East Coast. You're you're oh. hanging in there. Um, I, I, I'm super East Coast because we're broadcasting this from, uh, well, I'm in Sweden, but our producers are in uh, somewhere in Arkansas, and we have Canada represented. And I know on the chat... Uh, pretty much all over the world is there, and we thank you for showing up. And if you are showing up just now and you want to uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, that would be great. If you are listening to us on uh, Spotify or um, Apple Podcasts, uh, you know what? Make your way on over to YouTube so you can see you can see Mr. AC Slade in the in the flesh right now, and we can talk. So, how you doing, man? How are you holding up during these? I mean, usually I, I make this a C-word, uh, friend, unfriendly. I say it's a C-safe zone. So, but, but from now, like last week and COVID seems like kind of nothing compared to the I other know, C-words, right? civil unrest. But yeah, uh, yeah. how are you doing hanging out in the States right now? Are you, are you doing all right? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I was telling the, the, the producers of the show, I, I moved – from uh, Brooklyn to Newark, New Jersey, uh, which you being a, a New York guy, like you're always going to be a New York guy, by the way. To you. Uh, like you yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah. And, and you always will be. No matter where you go for the rest of your life, you're going to be a New York guy. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I, I lived in Brooklyn for a little over 20 years and uh, moved to Newark, New Jersey, which what I was about to say is that you being a New York guy, you probably cringe when you hear someone say that they're moving to Newark. Um, well, it's sort of the, it's similar to say that when I lived in Hollywood for many, many years to say that you're moving to the Valley, you know, if you're, yeah. if you're living in, you're living in West Hollywood and then all of a sudden you say, well, you know, what? I'd really rather buy a house, you know, from when yeah. I'm renting an apartment, I'd like to try and buy a house in the Valley. So that's exactly what I did. But, I did live in New York for a short time, for those of you that might not know. And, yeah, I think if you played the Cat Club, you you went to the limelight, uh, you got to – you knew the village pretty well, like I did. And I, I kind of sublet all over that area, as did you. And, you know, then you can say, yeah, I'm a New Yorker. But I I'm, I'm, haven't been there and living there for quite a while. But 
man, what's going to see what's going on these days uh, in yeah. there, and just the footage I've watched the last couple of days. Are you having those type of problems in in Newark right now, or are you having looting, or what's happening? No, you know, uh, Newark is, is, I guess, the one difference between using that analogy is that Newark is known as a terrible area. You know right what off I mean? the like, bat, right? You know, so <laughs> it's so already been it's, looted. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but I think that the difference is, is that um, you know our our mayor here in Newark, you know, on um, Monday, got in line with the protesters. Our police force got in line with the protesters, and we didn't have one arrest. You know, and I think that it's an example of how good leadership can you know uh, influence. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and kind of show some solidarity and and. And acknowledgement, like even if even if it's like, even if the the person's full of shit, they're at least acknowledging right. the situation and they're showing some bravery. Instead of by ramping up. up the rhetoric and ramping up the potential violence, yeah. you're de-escalating it and right. sort of like, hey. So yeah, I have no doubts that this will pass, like everything that has. Um, but I just wanted to know that you're safe and everything's yeah. cool. And before we dive into. Uh, Pretty much all things that are AC Slade. I mean, I, I've known you, I'd say we were on tour when we first met. I would, you know, in the band Dope. And was that, yeah. was that, I know it wasn't one of your first bands. You had bands even before that. You had a band called Moon Dragons and you had Vampire Love Dolls. But if you think about that, they've always been on sort of the goth, whether it's Dope, Murder Dolls, Vampire Love Dolls, Moon Dragons. It, it has a goth intent or maybe a goth maybe a dark sinister sort of more hue if i may yeah i'd agree with that yeah. <laughs> it was I, that, I like were, the, were those the bands that you were growing up with is that just something that happened or did you guys just kind of fall into it and say man i i, I kind of have i look good in, in white makeup and <laughs> powder makeup and half my head shave how did it work i mean you could even argue I, I grew up in amish country pennsylvania maybe it was it was that you know the, the amish influence dressing all in black uh and wearing, <laughs> and and wearing funny butter hats turner. you know yeah exactly um <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just always uh, identified with that. Gr growing up in Pennsylvania, there was more, you know, like in my school, there wasn't enough metal kids to kind of gravitate towards a metal scene or enough punk kids to gravitate towards a punk scene or goth kids. So it was kind of like I call it like the, the, the art, art, art class kids, you know, right. so it was like, you know, a little the bit like the metal the cool kids because you know did you live in a burg did you live in a pittsburgh or a harrisburg or a what burg was you, was yours that you lived in? actually no it was downingtown pennsylvania not not no, far from like harrisburg and lancaster yeah, yeah well you know you had poison coming out of harrisburg so you were probably sure. like yeah the cool kids coming a, a little bit more gothic a little bit more i'd say Marilyn Manson had a little bit, maybe, maybe even nine inch nails had some influence on the earlier bands, but I'd say you also had straight ahead rock and I, that the kind oh, of bands absolutely. I'm interested that you were listening to, you know, when you were first gathering your influences. Sure. Yeah. I mean like that, I guess that really comes down to the cult, you know, um, Ian and another thing that was, another, yeah, you know, still straight ahead rock and roll, but it's got this, mystique to it you know and that's that, a really that good was, that's a good example of the exact bands that i associate you with because the cult cool. 
had that sort of yeah it it was uh, kind of had a mystique about him uh of course there, there there was a little bit of a psychedelica to it as well and so what was the first cult album was for, for me it was that you know that bare bones electric but i i'm thinking perhaps you got into it before that or no nah, it's probably about that time and, and you know i gotta tell you it's uh, one of the reasons i was really looking forward to the to this interview i gotta tell you one of the most influential moments in my life was going to the limelight, like being 17 <laughs> and finding out that you didn't need an ID to get into bars in New York. If you, if you, if you dressed the part, you know, yeah, and you could, so you, yeah, could, we, you could sneak your way past the velvet rope without any sort of, if you just had an, uh, I think it was uh, a haircut and an attitude. Who was that? There was a, there was a band. Um, what was his name? Angry. It's gonna now. It's gonna. It's a New York band, obviously. A haircut and attitude, and I'll remember it by. Or maybe somebody in the chat will will uh, fill me in. But that song, yeah. and that's the way you could get by in New York. So you were doing yeah. that. You were going to Limelight Sun Rock and Roll Sundays. Um, oh yeah, which, which was amazing. Sort yeah. of time. And, and and I'll tell you another another person who kind of. Uh, is great at, at, at blurring the lines between the, do, the the darker aesthetic of like goth and also, um, you know, straightforward rock and rolls, Bob Ezrin, you know, oh, I mean, as a producer. Yeah. 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 I mean, Hey, the, the throbs record or, uh, obviously all the Alice Cooper stuff, but he was always great at, 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 at bringing those things together. Yeah, he had a he had a he, well. He still has this way of of, of bringing some uh, different elements and turning it all into something. He's obviously had the the you know great uh, privilege of working with Alice Cooper over these years, and and, and Alice's whole uh, character that came about to be. They just ran with it, and I, I think for many many years, whether it was Alice Shep and and. Bob Ezra and I call them the three-headed dragon. They're like a perfect mm -hmm. sort of combination to the, of art and business and sort of just putting it all together. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you with that. Um, Angry Dick Manitoba. That was uh, – Oh. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. See? The dictators. So um, yeah. I knew I would come back with a haircut and, a, and an attitude. But you have a haircut and attitude, as you can see. If you're not watching this uh, on YouTube right now, then uh, make your way on over there and make sure you subscribe. But if you are listening to it, thank you as well. Um, I want to talk, besides the cult, what other bands were you listening to when you were – because what was it first that that sort of got you interested as playing an instrument? Because I know you've – you've kind of vacillated between guitar and bass over the years mm -hmm. and, and, and you've done both. Well, what, what was the first instrument and what was your, you know, reason for it? Singing. I'm a yeah. failed singer. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Aren't we all? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, when, when I, uh, when I figured out that I could put three chords together and write a song, um, that was part of it. Uh, it, it wasn't a matter of wanting to become Steve Vai or wanting to become, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to hone the craft of a guitar player. I wanted to hone the craft of songwriting and being in a band, you know, like being in a band. And, and like, like I said, growing up in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, you and, and not even having enough like metalheads or enough punks or whatever to uh, to um, form a scene with that. Being a band was like, it was, that was my, my, my social life, you know? Right. So 
if the band needed a bass player, then I picked up a bass. If it needed a guitar player, I played guitar. I just wanted to hang out with, with like-minded people. So I, I guess that that's kind of it in a nutshell. And then as time went on, um, you know, I, I realized that I, that I liked doing both. I don't feel like I, I play bass like a guitar player. Um, and I feel like it, 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 it helps my abilities as a guitar player as far as tightness, you know, as far as, yeah, as far as being, being on time and being in yeah, the pocket. Yeah. yeah, no yeah. doubt. And, and so much, so much goes to be said about, um, uh, when you're working as a bass player in a band, like I said, I've, I've only moonlighted as a bass player because either the bass player was, was too drunk to play or because, you know, <laughs> right. Oh, you know, I, I, I got the short end of the stick or, you know, and so I said, well, you play bass on that. But I, I, I do find it, much when you are a bass player you have to work with the drummer you are that anchor that rhythm section so um you're constantly paying way more attention to to the drums and the the actual rhythm of the uh, kick drum whereas a guitar player you're kind of flailing but the but the, mm. the 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 other end of that is that as a guitar player i can make multiple and i'm and i do this multiple mistakes per night on stage but as a bass player if you miss one note <laughs> Everybody in the yeah. room works at you, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, playing when when I started playing with Joan, it was uh, I miscalculated things a bit. Like I was like, yeah, three chord rock and roll, I got this. Yeah, I can. I, I've played bass before, you know, uh, but it was a bit more in the metal context, which at least the type of metal that I played, the bass player is not playing passing notes. They're not playing harmonies. They're not. Right. Uh, you know, th they're enhancing that fist, if you know what I mean. Whereas uh, bass players in, in rock and roll, a lot of times can be they're, they're adding the, the color and the shape of the song. You know, oh, yeah, they're moving and, it along. Uh, they're moving. They're, they're the whole movement of the song, I think. And and just so exactly. you know, those of you that yes. are in the chat and those of you who are listening at home, um, when AC Slade, our guest, just so casually mentioned the name Joan, he meant Joan Jett. Yes, uh, Grammy nominated, Grammy uh, Hall of Famer Joan Jett, not just Grammy nominated, yes. Grammy winner, Grammy Hall of Famer Joan Jett, and uh, of course, uh, AC played bass. Uh, for her for many years and that's i i think we we hooked up a little bit when you were during that time and we were playing you played some really cool looking basses i think you even asked you called me at one point and said hey can you can you hook me up with those people at epiphone and gibson and uh with yeah the basses that you were playing in that band were insane they look good thank you yeah very thanks yeah i had a. yeah i mean i had a um I had some, you know, at that time I had had a good relationship with ESP and they were making me these, uh, Phoenixes, which is their, their Thunderbird, but it was, uh, a mid scale base, 32 inch scale as opposed to 34. So you didn't get the neck dive. Um, and it's just, you know, the distance, you, you know, on a Firebird or a Thunderbird, that distance from that tail, yeah, it's from like the, New Jersey to New York out to the end. <laughs> It literally exactly. is New Jersey. It goes New across York. five boroughs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a long scale. And, and so, so that was awesome when they did that. Go ahead. Oh, and, and so, so ESP made some that were great, and then we did the um, 
uh, Revolver Awards. And Joan was like, hey, you know, it would be great for you to play an Epiphone or, or a Gibson for this event. And I'd kind of lost touch. They, there had been a big changing of the guard with Gibson at that time. Right. And so I didn't know anybody there anymore. And I was like, I've always been a Gibson guy. The ESPs that I have made are made to be like a Gibson. So this isn't a hard decision to make. No you doubt. Know? Well, as, as someone that plays uh, bass way more than I do in bands, and there's uh, some aspiring bass players out there, this is what I love about this show is that not only do we get to talk about current events, we get to talk about your history, musical history, but then we get to do a little bit of the gearhead stuff. And for those of you that might not know about basses, there's three types of uh, scalings. There's short scale, medium scale which was he was just talking about ac and then there's super long scale like a thunderbird uh, that goes from new jersey to new york but what would you recommend for a bass player that's uh starting out wants to be in a working band do you have a certain scale of preference i mean i i like the 32 inch scale and and there's some bass players that'll tell you that it that it changes the tone i, I didn't notice a whole lot um also depends on the bass too, because I, I also have a, a Zomitis bass that you know is less ball shaped, and I feel right. like it. I feel like it, it. It's full scale, but I feel like because because it sits into the bass more, it, it it's not jetting out as far, you know. Right. So um, I, I I like mid scale, but there's been some full scales that I've played that I like. I I, I got to say I'm not a fan of short scale very much. They're they're kind of fun. They're you know, they're, they're fun to doodle around on, but I find it hard to dig into them, you know. Just so you know, the just last be a time guitar I, already. The last yeah. time I talked about this much bass was when I talked about Chuck Garrick with not wearing a shirt. That was basically the extent of our bass playing knowledge when Chuck <laughs> Garrick came on and talked about it. <laughs> but, I, but moving the, the on, because you... Best abs in rock and roll. Yes, yes, yeah. It makes As me a have man to, with the best abs in rock and roll. Son of makes a bitch. me have to hold in my breath every single show of, of the any Alice Cooper tour. <laughs> but you, it, you do also play guitar, and I think that's where I met you because when I yeah. met when we played together, we toured. Uh, I was playing with Alice, and you were playing in a, in a band called Dope, which was after Moon Dragons, mm -hmm. after Vampire Love Dolls. You were playing guitar in that band, correct? Or yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm, I was trying to remember that because that's where I started the transition uh, into guitar was when uh, we were writing the second dope record and uh, I was coming up with guitar parts. And so it just we we one of our guitar players, uh, I don't remember if he quit or got fired, but he was no longer there. So I was playing more guitar parts. I was writing the parts. I was doing things. We were recording the record. And it was like, well, why teach somebody else the parts when I can just nail it? You know what I mean? Right. And then it was like, well, why don't we bring back the old, or the band had a different bass player originally. And it was like, hey, he, he seems to have his shit together. Let's, let, why don't we just bring him back and keep you on guitar? And it's funny because with, with people, a lot of times ask me which I like better. And, you know, it's funny because bass... The, 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 pre the pressure's off of you in the limelight way, I feel like. Uh, but the pressure's more on you to hold the band together. Uh, and I like True. that. But, man, there's just nothing cooler than hitting a power chord in front of a stack of amps. You know? And even if you're using in-ears <laughs> now, which, which, which we are, there's nothing better than just hitting an A chord and letting it ring out. You know what I mean? 
Well, here's something that impressed me about when we were touring together. Uh, there were two things that impressed me. Uh, one I'll talk about after, but this first one was you were the, the, the one of the first bands that I remember that had proper backing tracks had proper uh and i know that you were it wasn't it was before computers i think you were using like d88s or i want to say something like 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 those uh adat systems and and you had Mm -hmm. proper background there you go there is the newark new jersey that i know there (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) but but i wanted because because at that point the first time i saw you guys i was like Wow, this sounds so insane live. It's so big. And it, and then I went obviously backstage and saw that you did have some uh nice sound effects that were sort of supporting. It wasn't it didn't take over. It just provided a really nice landscape for it. Um whose idea hmm. was it to go that early on uh that types of tracks because it was kind of before um a lot of the mainstream bands had had been doing it now it's kind of just commonplace for everyone to do it now if you're the anomaly if you don't yeah it's funny if, if you're a drummer now i feel like you better know pro tools you know what i mean you better better know how to how to run tracks um yeah i i don't remember well i i guess you're you're right because it, it does kind of stem from the nine inch nails world because we our our singer was uh he was around Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson in New Orleans while they were recording, I guess, Downward Spiral and wow. Antichrist Superstar, I think. So he was he was kind of privy to what, what those guys were doing. And, you know, we were signed to it. We had a huge deal with Sony, so we had the capital to do that, too. And I think that was another thing that was holding people back was how, how do we uh, how, how can we afford it? I think the third part to it is it goes back to that reinvesting in, 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 in the band, you know, and not taking that capital that the label gives you and buying a Corvette. Um, you put things right you know, back the, into the, the whole project. We got, we bought a full pro. Yeah, we, 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 uh, we bought a full pro tools rig. Like we were one of the first bands to travel with a recording pro tools rig that I ever saw. Like, it, and it's funny how monstrous it was. Like we had to have a, a refrigerator size road case for the monitor. Cause it was two monitors back then, you know, you didn't have flat screen monitors. Right. So yeah, we, we were always reinvesting in the band. And, and, and also early on the backdrops on, on sort of uh, screen mm. uh, screens for the, for to, to hide the back line. I remember that as well with dope. Um, I mean, I can't believe that my memory yeah. is, is that, not because everything else is kind of a little bit hazy from the late 90s but the one thing that uh-huh. stuck out was that the one show that we did i think upstate i think mtv had uh was was along for the ride and they were filming uh-huh. and i believe our good friend uh bridget the midget was at this one show and that's how i remember uh i remember that evening like getting done with my show or and you and we were all hanging out in the dressing room and i i only had a towel on and then i remember i i I got the sense that i was being watched through the towel and right around knee level i just noticed that bridget the midget was staring in between my towel and um vic i want you to put up a a picture of uh, bridget you have that no it doesn't okay But uh, uh, so do you? Bridget actually, she just got arrested for for trying to kill her. 
Oh yeah, I, I think Brid- and I think Bridget just got arrested for trying to murder her boyfriend or something. Um, you know. Wow. I, I don't know what her sentence was like, but I'd like to think it got cut short. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Moving along. That was a good one, though. <laughs> Moving really along. Was. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we, I t- you know, what was really funny about that was uh, I, I was, uh, I had a, a girlfriend at the time. And what I didn't realize, you know, I, I'll, it's just so much easier to be transparent. And I will. I'm married now, happily. But, yeah. you know, at that time, I, I'm sure you remember this, Ryan. It was like, you would record things like like MTV would record a lot of stuff of us uh, and not all of it would get used. And I found this out early on. And I guess anytime something was going to come up that I thought might make my uh, my girlfriend at the time feel unsafe, I'd always let her know. Like, hey, you know, we're, we're filming this. There was a thing at the time called like the rock and porn connection or there was like all these things that we would film that were that were integrating like the porn industry or or groupies or whatever. This was there was a lot of that going on at the time, and I would always be forthcoming with my girlfriend. She would get furious with me. It would become a whole thing, and then I realized half the time the shit never got used anyway. So when we recorded that, I didn't tell her, right? And of course, that's and the part. Like, okay, that's the footage you know, that gets uh, used. I I can see it coming. <laughs> I can see it coming. Right. So I call her on. Th- I call her on Thanksgiving Day. We're on the road, and I'm like at a Cracker Barrel or something. I'm like, "Hey, baby, you know I miss you." She's like, "Yeah." She's like, "Anything you want to want to tell me about?" And I'm like, "And this is like a year later, right?" And I'm like, right. mm, "I don't think so." And she's like, yeah. "You sure?" And I'm like, mm, I, "I don't know. You got me." She's like, "Well, I was eating Thanksgiving dinner, and M- we put MTV on, and there you are with these porn stars." And with Al- the Alice Cooper band and porn stars, and we're trying to watch Thanksgiving, and everybody's wondering where you're at, and then that shows, and I'm like, but it was a year ago. <laughs> it like, was. It that wasn't. That wasn't live. Yeah, and it, yeah, it took a long so time. I totally to got edit. busted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I remember it. It's a little bit. It's a little bit hazy, but I will never forget the, uh, the peeping, the peeping eyes going through my <laughs> through my towel. She gets like she could yeah, see she right was, through me. She had a good vantage she, she point. Was, there, there you go. There's Bridget. Ah, <laughs> uh, alleged. It, it, we were at. Uh, we we met her when we filmed our our video for Everything Sucks, and so we filmed the video. And I guess the the lot that we were on shut down at a certain point, right? So we're, we're shooting the video. They're still shooting like B roll stuff, but our bus is becoming the party place at this point. Our bus is on the property of the lot, so. Bridget was on the bus and then she leaves and things are winding down. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there like, you know, getting, making a cup of tea or something about to go to bed. And I keep hearing, I hear this knocking and I walk to the front of the bus. I don't see anybody. Like, all right. Walk back. And then I hear it again. It's knocking. I walk out. There go. There. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Walk back in third time. Walk up to the front. I'm like, hello? And Bridget, like, jumps up. And I just, like, see her head. She's like, help! 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 And I'm like, Bridget, what's wrong? She's like, they, they, they locked us in. I can't get out. Can you help me get out? I'm like, yeah, Bridget, I'll help you out. But it was kind of yeah. funny that, that I couldn't see her from, from her. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she didn't, she didn't have the springs on the feet. Probably not to her. 
Wow. I, I didn't know this was going to turn into an all Bridget the Midget uh, episode special, but that's why I'm going to move on. I am going to move on. But much respect to Bridget and good luck yeah. with all your legal problems. Now, do you right remember? Now. Alleged. <laughs> now, do you remember this? Do you, do you remember there was one night we were doing a show and you dared me to eat a, a pecan pie? You, you and the band all chipped in and you're like, we're all chipping in as the and it came to like a whopping $50 or something. And it was like, if you eat this entire pecan pie before you play, play the show and don't throw up, you get the 50 bucks. <laughs> wow. I, you know, it's funny. I would have done it probably voluntarily on this last tour. I love pecan pie. That's, that's horrible. Well, right? I, no. Did, did, did you do it? And did you get sick? Yeah, I didn't throw up. I was a pro. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, dope, <laughs> dope. I remember it. So, from dope, you uh -huh. go. You basically launch into one of the bands that you're uh, probably most known for, as uh, as uh -huh. the Murder Dolls. And uh -huh. in that, I think you've ended up playing both bass and guitar. Am I am I correct? No, I, in that? Just, I just play guitar in that band. Oh, you yeah, never switch. Just guitar. Okay. Mm -mm. Did you take Did you take Wednesday's place playing guitar? Or how did it work? Because it, it yes and no. Like when when they were forming the band, Wednesday was uh, playing guitar. But once we started touring, like like once the album was done, uh, he was just singing. Okay. What do you think that, that uh, Murder Dolls have that same? sort of cult type of mystique as the cult or as sort of a Mar Marilyn Manson? Those uh, yes. Yes and no. I mean, we got compared to Marilyn Manson a lot because uh, at that time there was no one that was doing what we were doing. Obviously other people had done it before us, you know, the Misfits, Alice, Motley, a lot of other bands had done it, but no one at that time was, was doing it. And, um, you know, and, and the, the one thing that, that our band had that I don't think a lot of other bands had was, was, was a pissed off attitude. We had a lot of this, which is hard to translate into music, but we did right. that uh, successfully. You could hear the fingers. And um, <laughs> for that reason, I think that that's why we, a lot of people still kind of latch on to it because, you know, and, and there's an authenticity there too. You know, the, the, the band was authentic. Like, the stuff that we were doing and that people were reading about uh, in, in, in the English press specifically, I mean, it was all real. Like, you know, we were, oh, let's put it this way. Our label wanted to get life insurance policies on everybody in the band because they were so sure we were going to die. Yeah, at that's, least one of you. That's yeah. how, how. They wanted to yeah. hedge their bets is you know, what you're hey, saying. Yeah. Hey, hey no, never mind sending the guy to rehab. Let's, let's uh, you know, let's get no. life insurance. That's not the good story. The story. The story is, yeah, one of them. One of them goes on the road, but I mean, as exactly. you mentioned, the UK. But I can imagine you also had a very big following in Japan, and you probably had maybe mm. one of your some of your biggest gigs there. Do you Do you have any sort of gigs that you remember from that era? Oh God, man! I mean, playing Summer Sonic, uh, which is a big festival there. I'll never. That was my first time going to Japan, and you know, Ryan. I, you probably can relate to this. Like when I joined the murder dolls, dope had gotten dropped and 
Joey was still active with Slipknot, and his initial plan was a two-week European tour, a two-week U.S. tour, and the festivals in Japan, and that's it. And Dope had never gone to Japan or Europe before, and so I was just over the moon. Like, I was like, okay, like, well, I, I guess the, the ride might be over. I, I don't know, but at least I'll be able to do those things. The festivals were with Guns N' Roses in Japan and Hanoi Rocks and a lot of great bands. And, um, and it was like, all right, cool. Like if this is the end, then I'm going out on a high note. So I was super excited. And when we got to Japan and of course there's the fans at the airport right. and, uh, I'll never forget the, the, the morning of the show Wednesday, our singer, he called my room. He's like, dude, look out your window right now. <laughs> and I look out the window and the arena arena, it's like a sports, uh, stadium rather sports stadium you could like look down into it and we're just seeing people from like miles like you're getting the top perspective of everybody coming into this anthill which is the place we're going to play you know and it was like oh my god this is insane so that was pretty cool and then you know i got to meet michael and andy from hanoi rocks that day and those are people i never thought i was going to play a show with because that was right when they first reunited and they, they were kind of obscure in the states obviously so um, you know, meeting those guys and, and that, and, and, and having them be like, you guys look weird. We kind of look weird. Cool. Like we got an, endor- an unofficial endorsement from those guys. It, it's, it, I always say it's cool when you get to meet the guys whose album covers you kind of used to stare at, you know, and, and sort of emulate and say, man, I, I, I can, I can pull this off or maybe I can try and pull this off. And, and obviously Hanoi rocks, we have that in common because, uh, mm. you know, th- those album, I always say that, that as far as image and songs and just attitude, if there mm. was no Hanoi rocks, there would be so many other bands that might not have, uh, formed and done it the same you know their own way if not having hanoi rocks as sort of you know an influence of theirs sure you know so so uh, murder dolls uh from that the other thing that was pretty much a big highlight of i guess the band's career but perhaps maybe not yours i don't know how you feel about it you guys did a cover of white wedding and which became very popular. But do you ever find like, man, why did we get more popularity doing a cover as opposed to, I wish it was one of our songs or how did, or did you guys go screw it? We're, we're, we're just having a good time anyway. And just, yeah, whatever no, happens. you know, I, I know, I know what you're saying. Like it's, it was definitely that way with dope. Cause we did a cover of uh, that. You spin me right round song. And that's yeah. kind of what we became kind of known for. But with the Murder Dolls, I feel like it was actually one of those cases where it opened up the doors for us, and it's probably not everybody's most favorite song from us, if you know what I mean. Like, right. like if Dope plays and we're doing a festival, everyone would be like, oh, I hope they play Spin Me, and, yeah. and you kind of have to. With White Wedding, it got us on top of the pops. It got us on a lot of the TV shows and stuff like that. And I feel like we could do a show and not play it, and I don't feel like anybody would care. I, lo- I love the fact that you have both perspectives of it as well, and yeah. and you've and you've sort yeah. of you, you you stole Pete Burns' haircut just a little bit for today's interview, just so you know. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. God rest his soul. Yeah. It was pretty funny. I got I got that we we were uh, 
with the with the Misfits, we we played uh, the whatever I forget it was called Los Angeles uh, Sports Arena or whatever, and uh, and I'm playing the show, and we had we had a strict no camera, no streaming, no no cameras are allowed at the show, and I'm playing, and I'm looking, and I see this guy, and he's got his phone out, and he's clearly streaming the whole show, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, fuck, man, you know the nerve of this guy. So when I go to do a guitar switch, I walk I walk over to uh, to uh, my tech and I'm like, dude, yo, that guy's got a camera. You know, it's not cool. People are gonna get very upset about it. You gotta, you know, put the kibosh on it. He's like, that guy? I said, yeah. He goes, do you know who that is? I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> it was Billy yeah. Eichel. <laughs> I'm like, all right, yeah, I guess we can't really say much. <laughs> That's too funny. Oh man. So from Okay, so I, I love going this chronological order, and I hope I'm doing it right yeah, chronologically. Yeah. Sure. You have dope, you have murder dolls, then you then you sort of slide into Static X. Uh, no, I wasn't in Static X. Mm-mm. No. See? No. Now, this is where I'm really going to jump on our scriptwriter. I'm not going to call him out by name, but being that I was the one no. that wrote half the script, there, I'll call myself out. Because there, <laughs> I have you down another- as... I have you down as, as sort of doing as, as, as being associated with it, but I know that it was a former band member that was yeah. associated with Static X as well. Exactly. So. Okay. We, we don't like to talk about him. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I do understand, and the reasons why. But then, yes. how about this for for smoothing it over? You eventually get uh, into one of the most uh, one of the most, I guess, as far as a New York East Coast type of. Um, sort of just credible band, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, right? And, 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 yeah. and in between that, you're, yeah. you're, you're, doing, you're doing your own stuff with Trashlight Vision and, and you put out albums, you know, Alibis and Ammunition. Um, what, what's going on? Are you living East Coast at this point? What's happening? And, and how are you? Because at the end of the day, you being in the trenches for so long does mean you playing more than just one band. It means you playing, you know, any way to make a living as a musician. That's the whole reason why this show exists, because I, I want to pick your brain about how your attitude is to continue to just go at it. Okay, I'm playing this band, I'm playing this band. How did the Joan Jet gig come about? You know, it, it's, it's funny. Uh, my experience has been with a lot of things in life. Like, when I, when I give 120% to something, so whether it was Trash Light Vision, which I, I did, like, I mean, you know, a tour was coming up with like Backyard Davies. All right, like we can't turn this down. I got a hockey guitar. You know, it was, it, I, I don't, I'm extremely uh, tenacious and I don't quit. And, but I feel like you reach a point where you go, have I exhausted every possibility here? And, if every possibility has been completely existed and you can look at yourself in the mirror and go, I really have done every fucking thing I can to move the ball down the field and it's not going. That's when I don't quit, but, but I step back. You know what I mean? I, I, I pause. And in that pause, that is so many times that's when that blindsided opportunity comes up. And with Joan, it was, um, I had been, Doing my own band, I put together two different bands. One was called The Dark Party. One was called Trashlight Vision. And neither of them really, 
we had awesome fans. Everything that we did, we, you know, we toured the world twice, but that was on our own dime and, in, and support from the fans. But we could never get the right team behind us. And the team, I hate to say it, the team is the one that, that you know, to use the analogy, can get that ball down the field faster. And so Trashlight Vision from Rob Laney, yes. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just, I was tired, you know, it was just exhausting. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? Because I'm broke and I don't want to get a real job and I've never gone to school. And so I went to cosmetology school and um, I went to learn how to cut hair and I didn't mind it. And I loved learning, which I never in a million years thought I would, I would enjoy doing. And I really enjoyed cosmetology school and I got done and I didn't hate cutting hair. And the day I landed a real job, my phone rings, AC, what are you doing? And it's a, it's a friend completely unrelated. To, and, and wasn't familiar with my resume much at all. And uh, I said, AC, what are you doing? Like, I cut in hair. All right, tonight, learn three Joan songs. Your audition's on Wednesday. If it works out, if it's good, in two weeks, you're going to Australia. And I was like, but I thought I was done. I thought this was it. I thought I, I kind of resigned. <laughs> every time the they try to drag you, every time you try to get out, they drag you back See, in. That's exactly right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it was... Uh, an unrelated friend who hadn't in with the black hearts and knew that they were looking for somebody. And that was it. It fell out of the sky. Like most times I can say that I created my opportunities. And in that case, it kind of fell out of the sky. Great. I mean, here's the other thing about that is that you didn't mind taking on that other gig, which is, you know, going to beauty school, becoming a hair cutter. And I've always said that if I were to go, back and do anything over again i mean so many things i'm so happy with but i would have learned how to cut hair because you can get a job anywhere you're always your band member's best friend if you know how to cut hair and even to this day are you are you still cutting people's hair no i haven't done it in a while um occasionally like for a friend but i never bothered to like really hone the craft and uh yeah, it's funny. I, I I was always terrified that Joan was going to ask me to cut her hair one day because I mean she's got always has the most badass haircuts. And the person who cuts her hair is a, a woman named Sally Hirschberger, who is like, you know, she's up there with like Vidal Sassoon. And people a lot of times are like, oh, you went to hair school, you must know how to cut hair. And it's like, yo, but you can't cut hair like Sally Hirschberger. Like that's. <laughs> and I was always terrified she was going to ask, and then I would fuck her hair up and lose my gig, yeah. you know. You don't want to get to super cuts level and then have Joan Jett ask you for a haircut, you know? <laughs> exactly. But what I'm, I, I'm kind of, well, not kind of, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. It's not just your ability to, to be multifaceted with the instruments, but multifaceted with the careers, of course, because when you're not being a bass player or guitar player in said band, you also have your own company and something that you just started, you actually have the t-shirt to prove it for those of you that aren't watching on uh, Facebook or YouTube. Uh, maybe uh, you should get over there and watch it. It is Catfight coffee. And this is a new uh, thing, a new venture for you. And how has that happened? And how did that sort of coincide with rock and roll? Cause when we first talked about it before we started taping, I was thinking, 
oh yeah, Catfight Coffee. That must be AC's newest band project. And he's like, no, dude, it's actually what it is. It's coffee. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, uh, I guess it it started really when I was touring with Joan, and um, you know, when you're touring at a higher level, you have more downtime. Uh, and I found out with, with Joan, it was like my entire day was spent in a hotel room and I hate that. And so I would go on Yelp, figure out where the cool coffee places were, because that's usually where the cool part of town is. Right. You know, like Absolutely. cool coffee shops might be on the St. The St. Mark's or the Melrose or whatever. And you might have and other cool places so it was with a bit, clothes and everything else as well. Street art, whatever, you know, like I'm not interested in going to see the, uh, the, the, you know, uh, Liberty Bell in Philly. Like I want to go to South street, not that South street's the same as it was, but, um, you know, like I, I want to see the cool stuff. I want to go to where the record stores are. I want to find out where the local bands are playing. And so I started, uh, just for shits and giggles doing, uh, Yelp reviews that were just like ridiculously funny to no one but myself. And, um, can we find them right now on Yelp? Is is there a Yelp review that, that was written by you that we can actually, Go on our, our app right now and find perhaps. I'll look I'll look somewhere around Philadelphia. Maybe I mean my my my, my yeah I was I was AC uh, on uh, I think I was ACS on on there and there's not a picture of me so that I was somewhat anonymous, but uh, yeah I, I, and to me it's like coffee and rock and roll have always gone hand in hand whether it's you know back in the day when we were younger and it was the the way to get the hair of the dog uh, going or whether you get your shit together and uh, you know, that becomes your new vice. And what I found is that like all these really great, the better the coffee place was, the more pretentious and annoying they were and the worse their taste in music was. So my thought was, what if I created a coffee company that had that high quality level of coffee, but really embraced the rock and roll community. So when I started the company, you know, one of the first things I did was started our Instagram, started a Spotify account, just started things talking about like rock and roll and coffee. Wasn't trying to sell anybody anything. Um, and, and given the, the, the circumstance, you know, given where the world's at right now, I still carry that. I don't give a shit if you, if you buy our coffee or not. If you come by and you hang out on our social medias just because it makes you feel less alone or, or more included or, or something that you can identify with, great. Maybe you'll buy a bag of coffee later, but in the meantime, I'd rather people feel some sense of identification at a time where we're distancing and feeling detached. Right. So, and coffee comes back to that too. It's like, we love going to coffee shops. Like, Hey, what am I going to do? Oh, I'll meet you for coffee. Hey, you know, after work, I'll meet you for coffee. You know, uh, you get done a movie. Why don't we go grab a cup of coffee together if the date's going good, you know? So, so if I, if I was to suggest you actually having live cat fights as one of the drawing attractions, that might not be good to bringing people together. Or maybe it would. I don't know. Dog fight. Oh, oh, oh maybe it would. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, bringing, I'm like, sure there's a niche together, for that you know? somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, here's, here's the thing, though, AC. I, if we, if we, people that are watching or listening right now um, – if we can put up uh, there the link for the Catfight Coffee, is it the Instagram that's on there as well? Those are, oh, wow, okay, all of your uh, socials just came up right now. Um, people want to find Ooh. out more about AC. Uh, what Would you please tell them where to go, in case, just in case they're not being able to watch it and they're able to only listen. Tell them your social media of choice to go find more about AC Slade. 
for, for all my socials, it's AC Slade at Instagram, Facebook, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then for Catfight Coffee, it's the same thing, but you can order off of catfightcoffee.com. We ship internationally and we're doing pre-orders right now and everything is shipping this weekend. I love it. I, I do like I do like the packaging of it. Um, I know something about the whole coffee industry now a bit more. Uh, my wife's brother is in South Africa. He's in uh, Cape Town. He started his own coffee company as well. So uh, perhaps at one point there will be a cat fight uh, Faber Smith, Faber Coffee Smith blend. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. Oh, there we go. I'll talk to you more about and, that. And after I mean, we stop. <laughs> And and Sweden Sweden's got a great great coffee scene too. You know, at your uh, conditories is that the the right word? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Conditory. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's coffee shops. I mean, they they, they they do pride themselves in coffee. It took yeah. years and years to get any mainstream coffee chains here because they felt they had it all down. Um, myself, it's lately I've gotten. I, I hate to say it. I'm going to probably be hated by. Uh, Anybody that's a uh, cat fight coffee fan, um, I, I've been just going gonzo on instant coffee since this whole pandemic thing started. Because <laughs> I was just like, I just, yeah, I am sort of a coffee nut right now, and I just can't. <clears throat> do... yeah, you know what though? Yep. Y- you know what? Y- but you hit you hit a good point. It's like all, all those uh, high end uh, coffee places; they're big on coffee shaming. You know what yes. I mean? And dude, like, I know exactly what you mean. Like when, when I was a kid and my, my granny down in redneck, Virginia, she had Folgers instant on the table. I will still drink some Folgers instant. Cause it reminds me of being in my granny's kitchen <laughs> while she's making biscuits and gravy, you know? So there's, no. th- there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, if it makes you happy, that's all that matters. You know, yeah. I, I draw the line. I'll, I'll tell you this. I draw the line at Sanka. Because that really does divide oh, the generations. Yeah. If you say, oh, I'll have a Sanka. Because I think, I'm pretty sure that Sanka <laughs> was some sort of the, the original decaffeinated coffee. Of, of I'm, I think so. I'm not 100% sure. I, I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't go with a Sanka with sweet and low, you know? <laughs> but sweet and low, yeah. And, and yeah, or, or there was even another one that was uh, another sweetener that was even before sweet and low. Sweet and low was like the new one. This was, oh man, now this, now you're going to, because, because it obviously at that point they were, they were, it was saccharin, right? That they were uh, sweetening with until they found out that it killed rats or something like that. So then yeah, they moved yeah, on yeah, yeah. to. <laughs> What was that shit called? The other other artificial sweetener, the thing that kind of makes us all crazy. Because I think, because <laughs> I think that that was it was actually like like little pellets, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's how they tested us. Yeah, man. I don't remember what that was called. <laughs> wow, I'm glad we're moving on to more sophisticated brands, and 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 now you have your Catfight Coffee that people can go can go check out, as well as any other new musical projects that you're up to right now. Because I know um, you're you're playing in a in a few bands, but is there right now? There's mm-hmm. no gigs for all of us, uh, obviously. Right now, we're kind of in a shutdown mode. But when you go back out there. Um, are there any sort of new projects that you'd like to talk about? Any sort of new musical things that you're doing? Um, I got, I mean, as of right now, uh, you know, I, I am the backup guitar player for, for the Misfits. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I love that. I feel like playing in that band and also with Dope 
um, if I could get it so that I'm just playing in those two bands for the rest of my life, I'd, I'd be okay with that. Um, cause I, I would, they, they both kind of do two different things for me, but, um, I'd be happy with that. And, and selling but there was another amounts, band I was, copious amounts of catfight coffee as well. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That goes without saying. Um, but we, uh, you know, we, uh, yeah, there, there was an, one band I was going to go out with this summer that I was super excited about. And I, and I can't say, I shouldn't say who it was because it was filling in and I don't know, it gets a little complicated. I'm sure you well, don't worry about it I mean, I was because really... it was, it was canceled. It was sort of postponed or canceled anyway. So, you know, maybe yeah. it'd be like, Oh, tell us, tell us, but wait, it's not going to happen anyway. So if you, you know, it's up to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I think that, that the other person may not have been aware, but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but I had an awesome summer lined up. I totally had yeah. an awesome summer lined up where I, I was going to be in Europe with, uh, with uh with dope and then that other band that needed me to fill in i was going to like hop onto their tour and then i was going to hop back on the dope tour come home and do do a misfits show and it was like i, I loved that I, I was so looking forward to this summer and you know instead now it's not we've got riots but... in the streets yes <laughs> damn it <laughs> well yeah. you know what it, it, the things will have a they do have a way of working themselves out i say this whole last week this last two weeks is definitely release of energy of what's been happening a culmination of the last few months and you see this uh complete release and you know obviously it came under horrible circumstances but people mm. did need to release this energy and obviously some people did it in very opportunistic ways which is totally fucked but the people that are out there uh, protesting for the right reasons i think that was well deserved well needed it, it, it has things have to change things have to happen yes. right now so um i'm glad that you are able to hang with us during this podcast and uh, i know that you're in um that you you've had a lot going on as well lately um side note just real quickly just because we're talking about we were talking about philadelphia and south street earlier that's where this nose ring came from in 19 like 88 or something like that so i i'm nice. well aware of south street and uh your favorite <laughs> places one of your favorite places to play uh, maybe night might be south street but like perhaps in new york in new york city maybe what, what what would you say the best venue to play there would be? Mm, I mean, Don Hills was always awesome. Uh, I always loved playing Don Hills. It's not there any longer, unfortunately. Uh, at CB's, obviously not there. The thing that was great about, about CB's is not only did it have the history that it had, but it was so like centrally located. And uh, it was centrally located, so it was really easy. Like if, if they, it didn't really matter what night of the week you were you were playing, because it would be like, all right, cool. Like, hey man, we're playing CBs on a Wednesday. You didn't have to twist people's arms to get them to go there, because it was like it just felt like an a, a like like it, it, it was the real rock and roll church. If you know what I mean? Nothing against the limelight, but it was like, oh well, yeah, of course. Like like if if you told someone you're playing CBs, they felt instantly obligated to go. And additionally, it was right where all the train lines kind of met so people could get done work. They could get done doing whatever it was they were doing, pop in, see it, and, and sort of be on their way, which is what New Yorkers like to do. So, yeah, I mean, CB's was awesome. Uh, but as far as current places, I mean, 
Um, Arlene's Grocery is great. Great backline, great staff. That place is awesome uh, as far as clubs go. And then I appreciate, um, I appreciate your humbleness. And, and honestly, I, I was very lucky enough to play those places. A lot of those places that you mentioned, Limelight, Don Hills, CBGBs. But, you know, and I, like I said, I appreciate your humbleness. But you, my friend, you played Madison Square Garden. I was going to say yeah. that that was probably <laughs> the large, that was probably the best oh, gig, the gig in the city. All right. And there's that. <laughs> oh, How there's was that, that gig know, at Madison Square Garden? You know, I got to tell you, and I, and I hope I don't, um, I hope I don't, uh, you know, I hope I'm not Debbie Downer, but I'll, I'll lead up to something. I'll tell you, you know, mine there, if you tell me that, yours. I'll tell you my, my experience honestly, and you tell me yours. There's a saying that when you're a comedian and you do Saturday Night Live for the first time, the next day is like a real bummer because you feel like you did it. But like, you know, you still got to take the trash out. You still got to do the dishes. Like <laughs> nothing changes, but right. you have that, that mark. Now, uh, um, after, because of the success of that show, we ended up booking uh, the Wells Fargo Center on December 14th. The Wells Fargo Center is, is on the grounds where the Philadelphia Spectrum was, which is where I went to my first concert at. And, um, and so to be able to play there, the we we ended up playing longer and we we crossed over the midnight threshold and so to be on stage in my hometown playing an arena in a headlining band and have the band sing happy birthday to me and the arena sing happy birthday All to right. me forget it right my, at midnight and there, then, goes one, two, three, garden, and then, there goes this my mass there goes my mass this next garden song is story. called halloween one two three four <laughs> kind of no i think your, oh, well, your story well, okay, trumps but you know <laughs> I, I felt like I was going to enter some sort of veer, vortex of weirdness because, like, I, you couldn't ask. That, that was like probably the best moment in my life, you know. Yeah, and, no, the, uh, those, those things always are. Because I saw you play Madison Square Garden with Alice. You went to the actually the Motley Crew and the Alice Cooper show, right? That was the yeah, yeah, yeah. the one, the only time that i played madison square garden but i'm glad to say that i was able to check it off the bucket list because when i lived in new york yeah. I, I i would sort of walk by the garden I, I go to the garden quite a bit to see sporting events in fact i'm watching the last dance now on netflix with with jordan's uh documentary it's awesome by the way it's very inspiring for me because but that's when i was super into the nba and a lot of the footage that they're showing, I'm like going, man, I think I was at that game at the Garden because obviously the Bulls and the Knicks during those days had some great, great battles. Um, not sure how much of a sports guy you are, but I assume being from, you know, originally from uh, Pennsylvania, you have a lot of sports teams around you. Do you follow sports or are you not? I'm fair-weathered. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a fair-weathered Flyers fan. Um you know, they just got, if you ask me, they just got such a cool history. The Broad Street Bullies, when they beat up the, the, the Soviet team in, in, uh, in uh, we'll call it uh, scrimmage games. So they just beat them up. <laughs> they <literally laughs> They're just total them. thugs, man. And, yeah. and I like that. Their colors, yeah, and, and, and uh, their colors, orange and black. And, uh, yeah, so I'm a bit more of a Fairweather uh, Flyers fan. I think you know, I like, I like all, my sports, all my sports, all my sporting events. 
Yeah, all, all my sporting event teams were a bit more on the violent side during the eras that I saw them. You know, I like the, the 1970s Raiders. That's what, what made me a lifelong Raider fan. Oh, um, yeah. I, yeah. I like, um, you know, my first sort of hockey experience was at the Garden, uh, Bethany. Um, another bass player. You probably know Bethany as well. She uh, took mm-hmm. me to go see the New York Rangers versus the Los Angeles Kings. And New York Rangers back in those days had Ty Domi, uh, Messier, and they just completely pummeled them as well. And then I used to see all these battles with the New York Knicks with Patrick Ewing, John Starks, Anthony Mason. So I'm a, I'm kind of into sports, but like that era. Now, yeah. being that I've lived in Sweden for so long, I, I'm into I'm, I'm not into it because I, it's it's just the, the the time difference is too much to follow. And um, I mean, pretty much they there's other there's weirder sports out here in Sweden. There's a lot of people that follow that follow handball, which is it's a weird game of like throwing a ball like into a net and it's just it's actually called it's not the handball that you play in against a wall or something like that so yeah my my sporting i'm still a hardcore nfl fan and i i i'd imagine you you have to kind of choose where what team your alliance is with because living you know from pits from uh pennsylvania you have almost too many choices right eagles steelers yeah that's I guess that's why why I went with the Saints because it was like okay. screw them all. <laughs> I'll just go straight to the Saints because I always like I always like the fact that they, you know that, that there's a bit of an underdogness to them, you know, and their colors are black and gold. So no, no, I, I was very happy for they used they they were always my sort of uh, alter ego Raiders because I always wanted them to win. I did think their colors were cool as well. So um, yeah, right. Who would have, who would have yeah. thought, man? We're talking sports for, uh, from sports to uh, Bridget uh, the midget from then from um, rock and roll from you know sort of the late '80s, early '90s, then to uh, you know new coffee companies that are emerging, Catfight Coffee. So we, I think we've covered the yeah. whole spectrum just now. <laughs> I'd imagine so. Um, yeah, I can't. I, I can't. Unless there's anything you you'd want to cover, and I'm not sure if there's anybody out there. Maybe uh, Vic, our producer, can put up the uh, some questions that the audience might have, or even have someone come on the air. And of course, as soon as I sing that, a question comes on the air, saying, "How do you con- how do you consolidate life on stage with family and daily stuff?" Thank you, Sarah, for that question. I will leave you to answer it. Uh, pro- probably routine. You know, like I I, I wake up relatively early for rock and roll terms, you know, like seven thirty, and my cats wake me up. They, 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 they demand to be fed at seven thirty, and not a moment later. How many uh, cats? So two, I got right. uh vampy. I got vampy and I got Frankenstein. Um, so probably just routine because like, I I wake up pretty early. I write in my journal. I, you know, kind of, fr- frame my day, kind of think about what I'm going to do, make, make breakfast, make some coffee, and then boom, I'm off to the races. So now, did you say write your journal? Probably just the routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Now, do you, is that like with pen and paper or is that typing stuff down? How do you do a joke? Because I'm intrigued because I, I would like to do something like that. I just can't get my left hand to move that early in the morning. Are you left-handed? Yes, I am. I am left-handed. It works for me. Okay, but you play guitar right-handed. I have a theory about that, and I'm going to explain this theory to you. Hopefully, my my voice is coming through because I know that I there's... I do, too, so go ahead. Okay. My theory is being left-handed, the, the coordination when guitar first started, playing first started, you needed to be coordinated in your right hand because it was more classically oriented, right? So all these fingers needed to be mm-hmm. coordinated to... And, and this hand kind of stayed static, not static X, kind of just mm. static. But with the invention of the plectrum or the guitar pick, if you will, there you go. Um, uh-huh. he, this hand just went up and down a lot, which I'm already used to with my right hand. And um, this, <laughs> in this hand, the left hand needed more coordination. It needed to. Uh, so I'm thinking everybody else is playing guitar wrong all these years and they didn't know it. Now, what's your theory? I, I, it's exactly the same. And I think, I think I have come to find out that I do a lot of things left-handed. I think, I think I, I should have been left-handed when I started cosmetology school, I started doing everything left-handed and my teacher would, would say, you know, Oh, can, can, can you come up and be the example? Because when you're like, maybe, you know, this from teaching guitar, when you have a left-handed student, it's a little bit easier because you're actually mirroring each other. And so I, I said, I'm like, how come you always call me up as the example? She's like, well, you're left-handed. And I'm like, I'm not left-handed. She's like, you're totally left-handed. And I'm like, I'm not left-handed. She's like, you're doing everything left-handed, just so you know. And then I started paying attention. And then I was like, hold on. And, and, and I had that same thought when I started playing guitar. I was like, but if I'm right-handed, shouldn't it be like this? You know, because right. this is your, your right hand and this is doing all the work. And I remember thinking the exact same same thing. So I'm I'm right there with you. Ever since then, I started doing things left-handed. Like I, I can use chopsticks left-handed. Uh, I can uh, I, I can't handwrite left-handed, but I can do almost a, a lot of things left-handed that I didn't know. So I'm right there with you. And John, and, I, by and, the way, and is, I must uh, look I must look a, a, a little bit person who plays guitar right-handed. I must be looking a little bit uh, special on the uh, video. Because I'm I'm sitting there trying to I, I'm doing all these movements I'm like Edward Scissorhands I'm trying to figure out how I would hold because you don't think about these types of things until you know I'm, I'm thinking about how I would hold and cut hair if I had a pair of scissors and I guess I would hold the scissors with my my left hand I would I, I think mm-hmm. or maybe no maybe I would hold them with my right hand I'm completely confused now folks all right so I'm gonna have to go cut my hair again <laughs> that's just what happens. Now, did you shave? Uh, did you shave for this uh, interview? I, I did not, but I mean, shave your side of your head for this interview because it looks very nice and smooth today. No, no, not just for you. I'll be honest with you. I, I what I started doing is just when when I shave my face, I just like continue up because uh, I got I had a fan draw some art, and when she drew it, she drew this gray, and I was like, 
it's that obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Time to Which take it down it a notch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, I'm going to go find out if I'm truly a lefty or a righty when it comes to being a beautician. And uh, then I'm also going to probably have another cup of coffee. And um, I, I'm wondering if Vic has any more questions from the chat. If they're not coming up, then I'm going to, again, one last time, uh, ask AC to sort of say his... Uh, Okay, well, there you go. As soon as I ask, uh, there comes one. Okay, AC. But do you play anything left-handed now? Hmm. Do you do anything left-handed? No. No. I mean, I can barely play anything right-handed, so why? Oh, come on now. You know, you, 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 actually produce, up, you, know? you, you don't produce left-handed or right-handed because I did a session with you just a couple of years ago. I remember it was a really, uh, a really cool session. You called me sort of, you know, out of the blue. Hey, you, you know, you're in town. Do you want to do this track? I think you'd be perfect for it. I came in, I took a cab or we took, you know, from Manhattan over to Brooklyn. Um, how is the production going these days? And are you producing any new acts? No. And I got to tell you, it, 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 I loved producing bands. I loved it. But the pr there's a couple problems that I ran into. One was that I think that some people think that when you produce their record that you're somehow the keys to the kingdom to them getting a record deal right. and everything else. And that's just not the case. Like, uh, you know, me as a producer, I really like to produce. Like, that was the case probably at one point. It was like, hey, man, you know, such and such did our demos. And it was a little bit of your foot in the door. But I like being hands-on. Like I like really uh, being involved in, in other people's music, and it's such a privilege when someone says, hey, yeah, we want to let, let you in from the outside. And I, I love it. But the, the next part is that budgets. So, Which are kind of non-existent at this point. You know? Yeah, and it's like if you, if you don't have a budget to make it sound right and to make it sound good, then I kind of don't want to do it or you're still going to be disappointed thinking that, that I can somehow polish a turd. Um, <laughs> and it's, and, and, and so I guess I got myself, you know, in a way that I got myself into those positions where it was like, I'd say, look, this is the budget. And, and people would say, Oh, we only got X. And I'd be like, all right, well for X, you're going to get this. Okay. Well, I mean, when we said X, we actually meant that we really only have Y and it's like, well, then you're going to get this. And, and every time it was stepped down and I agreed to do it, the quality of the recording went down and then they got done and it would be like, hey, man, like this, this isn't as, as high quality as we had thought. And like, well, that's what you wanted to spend. You, know? so <laughs> you could only afford I, a triple G record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a bummer because I, I loved doing it. No, I, I, really, I felt you're I very talented really with it. it. You know the sounds. So. You know you you know you know the construct of a good song because you've played in so many different bands under so many different circumstances. Um, a question from Chuck right now is: uh, Ask him. Well, you're asking him right now, Chuck, about being in Amen and his tour they did with the Bride of Destruction. Uh, Amen. Okay, I did. I don't know about Amen, and that wasn't even my notes. So is that completely underground, or is that another? Is that uh, something yeah. you want to talk about? That was, you know, that was another situation where I had a great time. Um, Amen was signed to Columbia. They were managed by the same people that managed uh, the Murder Dolls. 
right when the Murder Dolls had had kind of put a bow on things for that record, uh, it was really funny. I got a, a phone call uh, <clears throat> from management saying, "Hey, do you, Amen's guitar player can't make the tour. You've been suggested. Do you want to join it?" And the guitar player that I knew was Rich Jones, who plays with Michael Monroe. And uh, Rich and I were the only two that were friendly in both camps. So I assumed that Rich couldn't make it. Uh, sorry, that, that Piggy, the bass player for uh, right. Rob Zombie, yeah, I assumed Zombie. he couldn't make it. Rich was like, oh, I know AC. He's a friend of mine. You know, we can pull it together. And this was pre-social media days. So I was like, oh, cool. I, I love Rich. Yeah, definitely. And uh i went to i i worked at a studio i don't know if you ever practiced at uh cms big mike's place it was like one block over from sir anyway no i i, I uh i worked there i worked there and i kept all my gear there so the band came picked me up patty smith had rehearsed that day her and i actually got in a disagreement she felt bad and bought me dinner so patty smith bought me dinner which was awesome and then I get what was the, the fight? Band, I, I, I have, now I have there, to ask, like, what was the fight about Rich with Patty Smith? Just come on. What was the fight about with Patty Smith? I have to know. She, what do you it was a rehearsal studio. I started my shift when another guy was ending his shift. He had started to set up their mix and get things going. And his, the, you know, the clock hit five and he was like, fuck it, I'm out of here. I started, I thought that he had finished getting them going. So I'm sitting in the office kind of spacing out, I guess. Patty storms in like, are you going to finish doing our mix or not? And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know. All right, cool. And JD, her drummer, I had spoken to him earlier and I'm like, yeah, dude, today's my last day. I'm leaving to go on tour. They're, they're going to come pick me up at the end of my shift. And, and we were making small talk and he's like, he's like, oh, that's great. You know, like we were talking about touring and oh, I still love tour touring and everything. So I go into the, so Patty comes in, she's like, you got to finish our mix. You know, it's bullshit that you left. I didn't leave you. Know? So I go into the room, get the mix going for him. Patty kind of takes a couple stabs at me on the way out. Like, 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 you know, yeah, next time, you know, make sure you finish your job or something to that effect. And I was cool about it. I was like, cool. And and JD is like, Hey, why don't you like lay off of him? It's his last day. You know, he's leaving to go on tour. She's like, well, we're paying money to rehearse here and you should have finished the job. And he's like, it was another guy. It wasn't him. And she's like, Hey, you don't know what you're talking about. And so I was like, okay, like everybody's got a bad day. I don't, I don't care. So I go into the office. Five minutes later, Patty comes in. She's like, so you weren't the first guy that was in there. I'm like, no, nah, Patty. She's like, I was, I was wrong. She's like, I'm really sorry about that. You know, tell me about the tour you're about to go on. And we made small talk. She's like, well, I want to buy you dinner. She's like, let me, let me buy you dinner. And, you know, I'm really sorry about that. So it was really cool. But that, that's, that's the story. And then I hopped in the van and, you know, I didn't know anybody in the band. And within the second day, I realized that the band was going to pull a mutiny because uh, uh, I don't know that this is true or not, but uh, allegedly they hadn't been compensated. They were like, this is it, man. And so it was really weird because I'm like coming in and everyone's like, yeah, you, you don't want none of this. <laughs> and, and I didn't want to join anyway. But uh, and the whole because time I had my own band already already starting. But the I, whole time, AC, though, I'm thinking that this argument is about because you thought that the day belonged to lovers and she was convinced that the night belongs to lovers. That's what I thought. That's, you know, the doom back at you. See, you like the no. way it comes around again. 
So I exactly. one more question from our one more question from our uh, chat right now, and then we're going to wrap things up because I know that our uh, our little Wi-Fi has gotten a little bit more delayed. I can tell that. Um, but Mike is asking: Is there a band or musician on your playlist that people wouldn't expect? To do, like basically on your Spotify, some of your favorite songs. Is there some sort of band that uh, perhaps we wouldn't be expecting? Probably, uh, I'm a huge Motown fan. Like that's that's basically most of what I listen to every day is Motown. Um, you know, the bass players were great, the singers were great, the songs were great. I've always felt that you know a song is just a beat and a melody and a tempo and a key. Everything right. else, man, you can shape and mold everything, but. Um, yeah, probably just the fact that I am a huge, huge Motown fan, you know, and it, it goes back to, you know, from Motown, like Motown was the first time that there was electric bass, really. If I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm wrong about this, but James Jamerson was the first guy to play an electric Fender bass, you know, electric bass as we know it. And, you know, all those guys that so that much movement in his dudes, bass playing, you know, whether well. it's Dennis. Yeah, and, and or there's ball of confusion where it's just the same part the whole time, you know, because it builds that tension. And, you know, all those cats like Dennis Dunaway, like it was like that's th th there were no other electric bass players. You know, there were other electric guitar players, but I feel like it, it all kind of comes from that pool. And of course, that's there, there's, you know, real rock and roll like Chuck Berry, stuff like that all all comes from a similar world. You know, they're kind of neighbors to, to Motown. And I guess that would probably be it. Just no, that would shock. Motown, I think that mostly. would people wouldn't expect Motown being on on your playlist as well. When when people ask me what what bands that I would uh, not, you wouldn't expect to be on my playlist. I'd say a lot of the bands from sort of the Manchester scene, Happy Mondays, oh. Stone, Stone Roses. Um, bands like the charlatans uk because when i was living in new york i was exposed you know early, late 80s early 90s to a lot of those bands in fact I just was listening to emf just the other day and it was like oh wow i i, I like the dance beats that they had they were able to put sort of almost like a good big boombox ecstasy beat i used to call it you know it was just that manchester beat and that i hadn't heard in my sort of four four rock and roll world so those types of bands like I, the yeah. happy mondays you know, I, I would uh, what about manic street preachers yeah, Manic Street Preachers with another band that I really enjoyed a lot. I mean, I, I still remember, though, seeing the show that did it for me, Madison Square Garden, to bring that amazing venue back into the fold. Uh, it was Jane's Addiction headlining, but uh, Happy Happy Mondays opening up. And I remember just being so blown away by Happy Mondays, I stayed for about half of Jane's Addiction and left. Wow. What a <laughs> bill that is. Yeah, it was good. Back hey, I got there. a question. Yeah. Here, 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 here's a, 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 a question for debate. Why does England come out with so many great rock and roll guitar players? So many great rock and roll guitar players. Because it's the home of where, I mean, I mean you, you can't say the Beatles were insane guitar players. They're just such insane musicians. So um, I think because 
they had they were so influenced by american back in the day american blues guitar mm-hmm. players that there was this they they became so good at emulating american blues guitar players then then it yeah. kind of went back it was like it was almost like a serve over the uh, atlantic and they served it back to us because all of us were looking at those guys like whether it's Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, Brian May and we were influenced by them so who knows if yeah, it's yeah. gone back and forth but i mean even to this day i, I yeah i find that uh, Eng- english bands they just have a, a great way of of gelling as a band even european bands i i I live in sweden where the musicianship is is such at a high level and um they just they really it's i think it's because they have that they they have a little bit more of a um perspective about what these what american bands bring to the table and they research them i i've found that many more europeans uh study the american bands as when you're an american band you don't study American bands as much. Maybe it's that you know. Maybe it's that distance a little bit. Is that an answer? Hmm. I'm not sure. Do, do you think it's that it has to? Do you think that people are a little more like in America? It's like, like, hey, what do you want to do? I want to be a guitar player and start a band. It's like good luck. And I don't know if like I don't know about Sweden or or, or England because I didn't grow up there. But it, it, I feel like there there's a slight more nurturing of of the dream maybe there's definitely more uh emphasis put on uh allowing that atmosphere to because they have these things here called you know they have after school they have these free who sits and uh music hollands and these sort of um uh after school places where you can go and jam and I, I I don't remember that happening as much when I was growing up. But then again, you know, look, that's been <laughs> friggin' decades, sure. and I know that they have a lot more music schools now forming in the states. I just, at the end of the day, I feel that it's it's up for uh, bands to completely keep on putting out music. Even guys like you and me, yeah. even if we just keep putting out. Uh, albums and keep making music like for instance this thing that we just released this last sunday which we just put out today uh with the uh old johnny thunder song you can't put a, your arms around a memory it was one of those ideas where we brought a lot of people together really quickly put out a, a song i sent it to my producer uh christopher Fallen to to mix and he put it out there and i think it came out really good and maybe it could be just a little bit influential or someone that's younger that's saying, "Hey, if they put that together out in you know in a week, maybe I can take a song that's already been established and and do my version of it and put it out there." That is the one thing. Here, here's a question hmm. I have for you to volley back to you: Do you think it's better now that the the internet? Would you choose to be in a new band pre-internet or post social media internet? How you know? With the, oh, with, abs- pre, with the pre, pre, absolutely. Pre, okay. See, I, 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 because I, I had that question. Yeah, a- absolutely. Well, and what are the reasons why for that? Because the the uh, the the plan was direct. It was like, okay, what do you do? You record a demo, you play, uh, you know, you you you, you, you cultivate a, a fan base, 
and it was easier to cultivate a fan base because people would come out to see you uh, more. It's harder to get people to leave their houses now. Um, you recorded the demo, you shopped your demo, hopefully your demo got on a, a, a record label. You got on a record label, they put you on tour. It was a uh, lot more more clear and, and the filtering was was uh, was uh, you know a, a record label was and a record store was the filter on quality and unfortunately I feel like the one thing that's it, there's good and bad to it but you know you could be a stay-at-home dad right and th and that's an admir admirable job but you could have a home studio where you could record a song very well and you could even do a video that looks pretty cool and you might not even be serious and maybe your song's just not that great, but you know, you're having fun with it, but I have to compete with that guy. You know what you're I mean? You're saying like, it takes up the bandwidth. It takes, it takes up the space. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean that, and you know, that, Hey, that's, that's great for, for in, in some ways, but as far as, as far as the, the cream rising to the top, I feel like it's a lot harder. All right, but I, but I just look at the at, at the piece of the pie, and we're since we're doing all dairy references, I just look at the entire pie, and now I'm hungry for pecan pie and whipped cream, um, the, and and I see that the, the the it's actually that much bigger, so so you have that much more like. Mm reach as an audience because when i was a little kid all i wanted to do was have an international audience because i knew that you just like you said people from my hometown might i couldn't get them to go out to a club and see my band but i put my music out to the whole world who knows maybe there was this little group in you know in some state or some country that really identified with it maybe i get little pockets of those people everywhere so i would i'm post social media, internet, because I think now it levels the playing field. Um, the thing that kind of bugs me out, obviously, sure. the budgets aren't as big, so you do have to sort of deal with that. And But but at the same time, you do have a, a much more level playing field to promote your own music. But I do see your point is where, you know, when you don't have all those other distractions, you have a lot less uh, sort of other minutiae to deal with. Or to compete with sure and 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 to to kind of step back from that as, as a fan i mean it's it's kind of a great time to to be involved in music you know like i re i refused to to be on spotify up until about three or four months ago when i created a spotify account for catfight coffee and all of a sudden i i, I was like dude this is awesome like i'm i'm getting turned on to so many new bands and yeah. so much more music and, and just being like, like that band mud. Like I never heard it. I always heard about mud. And then, and then all of a sudden I was on a playlist. I was like, this is awesome. This is like Bay city rollers meet Slade. Like, who's this? Oh, this is that mud band. Oh, this is great. And I'm going to follow them. I just wish that rather than giving that, you know, hundred million or whatever it was that they gave to Joe Rogan, that they would have, you know, looked out for me and you a little bit more, you know, but, that, and and but then there you go. That's always that, that's, been the case, you know. I feel it's always sort yeah. of been the case of what well, yeah, uh, of what us rock yeah, musicians have to deal with it. Um, I'm getting uh, bummed out that our in, that our sure. internet and is getting and, a little and, bit and, delayed. And looking at it, the <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm I'm sure. gonna pause. All right. 
Well, let me just say this before we get uh, before we get cut off. Right, dude, your fans are awesome. The the like Ryan Roxy Italy, Ryan Roxy guitar, like you have the coolest fans. Like I and and I'm an Alice Cooper fan. You know that. Like when you were talking about favorite shows ever played. Without a doubt, dope opening for Alice Cooper on Halloween night at Roseland. That that poster is still on my wall right now. <laughs> and uh, I so I consider myself an Alice fan. The fact, the way that they are supporting this podcast is awesome. Like, like I've never gotten so many uh, Instagram uh, reposts uh, requests. So your 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 fans are awesome. They rock. Well, we call it the Roxy Guitar Army. We, um, we we love them, and we know that they are the biggest reason why we have any sort of success. Any sort of blip of success we have are completely because of them. We thank them always for coming out and supporting, and now they're obviously going to do the right thing and follow all your socials now and become uh, AC Slade fans because right now I'm going to have to shut her down because the Wi-Fi has... Uh, gotten to the point where we're a okay. little bit on that um we're a little bit on that too much of a delay where we can i don't want to be stepping over each other so one last time vic if you can put those socials up for ac slade and uh everybody out there uh please know how much uh not just ac but uh, ourself and the whole uh, roxy guitar army is uh appreciate you sticking around for today's show uh we we went a little long form today we went if you will a little bit of a joe rogan-esque uh, we're, we're clocking in at about an hour and a half um if you have just logged on you have a lot to catch up on and uh, maybe uh, hit that subscribe button right now if you can and uh come and support us come support uh ac and all his socials mine at ryan roxy and support pecan pie <laughs> For the love of it, support Bridget the Midget, Pecan Pie, and, of course, <laughs> Cat Fight Coffee. So, uh, AC, any parting words for not they, – they are, you know, the Roxy Guitar Army, but now they are now in the palm of your hands. Any parting words for them? There it is. Just uh, keep doing what you do. Keep supporting rock and roll. Keep supporting Ryan. And um, th- thank you to my fans who have tuned in and maybe some of your fans and some of my fans. They can hang out. They can play Twister. They can play <laughs> Jenga. I don't know what games they play in Sweden, but they can play them as well. And, uh, yeah, this has been awesome. And I was so looking forward to this. Uh, you know, I hope that in these you know dark times that we're going through right now, this show and this interview made some people laugh you know, and brought some light. And made you think if you're left-handed or right-handed. I think you have to really uh, you sit down with yourself and have that conversation. Are you left or right? So, hey, AC, hang on. I, uh, you might have frozen, but uh, just hang on for just a little bit uh, while I wrap things up. I'll talk to you a little bit afterwards. But everybody out there, if you would uh, like one more time, hit that subscribe button. And um, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, uh, thank you very much. But uh, if you can, make your way on over to the video and check out what we did uh, visually. And uh, we will see you uh, next 
Tuesday on our live stream for In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy podcast. We will have part two with Michael Monroe. I just got that confirmed as well. Our guest today has been guitarist, bassist, and coffee smith, uh, AC Slade, that who basically was nothing but a joy to talk with and um, obviously has a lot of projects on his plate but still a lot of more rock and roll to give so ac slade thank you very much for being on in the trenches and thank all of you for watching until next time i'm ryan roxy enjoy the ride in the trenches with ryan roxy yo